0: Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. We all know what it's like to fall into a pit of despair. We all know what it's like to be so confused about life that we don't know what to do. In those times, the Lord welcomes His children to come to Him in faith and trust. You may be struggling, and God understands. But you and I must come to him. Even Jesus did. In Psalm 4, David is going through a very difficult time. Yet because of his confidence in his relationship with the Lord, he came to the Lord. God wants to teach you how to do that today. To learn more, here's Pastor Jim to conclude his message, When the World Suddenly Changes.
1: Remember we were studying Habakkuk. We did one of our studies called the, the thing that nobody can take from you. Nobody can take God from you. They cannot. And so David knows who he is. And, and you might not think much of yourself. And people might not think much of you. But that doesn't really matter. What matters is what God thinks. about. Obviously, we want people to think well of us. But, but ultimately, that's not what we live for. Let me tell you a little story that I had read about a long time ago, and then I came across it again. There's an old story of a man who was filthy from top to bottom. He had been out working, presumably, in the fields all day, and he was in dirty working clothes, and uh, he was in Baltimore, and so he went to a prestigious hotel to try and rent a room. Well, the owner gave him the once over and said to him, figured to himself, he's not worthy of my hotel. Uh, This is a prestigious hotel. I don't want this kind of riffraff in my hotel and said to him, sir, I'm sorry, but we have no room for you here. He did, but but not for that man. And so the man left. A little while later, one of his friends, the hotel owner's friends, came rushing into the hotel and said to him, is it true? And he goes, what do you mean is it true? And his friend goes, what in the world were you thinking? You turned away from renting a room to Thomas Jefferson, the vice president of the United States? You see, Thomas Jefferson might might have been a dirty farmer, but he was also the vice president you christian might not think that much of yourself others might not that think that much of you but you are a child of the king you are an adopted son and daughter and you have a reservation a room set aside for you in the most prestigious Place in the entire galaxy and galaxies and unseen world in the abode of God. So now verse four and five, it turns, David turns to another group. You could say he's still talking to the enemies, but I think he's talking to a group of people that are angry about what's going on. That David, you were treated so unfairly. This could be you. Maybe you don't like what's going on in this world. He says this, verse 4, be angry and do not sin. Some of you are like, that sounds very familiar to me. The apostle Paul, he ripped it off from David in Ephesians 4, 6. Now, he didn't rip it off. He was a Bible guy. I always say, people say to me, you walk out of the message, they go, Oh, man, Pastor Jim, thank you so much. I'm like, I'm just ripping off the word, man. I'm not doing anything. (laughs) I'm just doing my best to understand it and just telling you what it says. When we're going through Matthew's gospel, I'm like, I'm just ripping off Jesus, man. Thank him. Get in your car and thank him if there was any spiritual benefit brought to you. And so he says, be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Selah. Take a breath, wait on the Lord. Verse five, offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. So here, maybe you're like David or the people that are with David. The world is seemingly spinning out of control. And at the very least, you might say, my head is spinning out of control. David says this. I think Paul takes it a little further, but we're going to stick within David. Be angry. That's okay. Be angry. He says, be angry. And do not sin. That's the hard part. That's the hard part. So how do you do that? How do you do that? The answer is right here in the verse. He tells us at the end of verse four meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. We might say like this get away, think about it, pray about it, and keep quiet. (laughs) Be angry. He might be saying to us, be angry and keep your mouth buttoned. Button your lips, my mother used to say to me. And keep quiet, be still until you calm down, until you have more of a sense of peace. Psalm 14.1, very famous verse, says this, The fool has said or says in his heart, there is no God. Sometimes we followers of Jesus do that. Sometimes in our heart, Jesus said, from out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Sometimes out of our heart comes words that show us to be the fool that says there is no God. At that moment, we're acting like unbelieving believers. Now, literally, when it says be angry and do not sin, literally it means Tremble and do not sin. In other words, tremble before God. If you tremble before God, then you'll be less prone to sin. You see, it's always important to remember God's sovereignty, that he is in control of the planet, if you will, and in the universe, that nothing that happens in our lives, nothing that happens in our country surprises God. He knows what's coming. So David says this, listen, when you're outraged by certain things, go home, bring it before God, get your head on straight. And this is the hard one, and don't rebel against God's sovereignty, even if you don't like it. It doesn't mean you can't ask for God to change it, but know that he's in control. I hear a lot of people, a lot of, lot of stuff, people talking about the election we have coming up, 70-something days now. Talk to each other about it. That's fine, but you better be talking to God about it. I'm not telling you who to vote for, but, but talk to God about it. Who is the candidate that... that we see a better chance of righteousness prevailing in our land. Because I'm going to tell you, the last thing we want God to do is turn his back on this country. That is the the very last thing. We don't want God to be like, well, I left the United States because they didn't want me anymore. This anger here is a righteous anger What's happening to David is wrong. These people are angry about what's happening to David. But we have to be careful not to be unrighteous in our response. That's what he means. Be angry. That's righteous. There's a righteous anger. But do not sin. Do not be unrighteous in your response. There's one of the organizations that we support here, International Justice Mission, and I get... Different stuff from them, and I tell you, I read this stuff about sex trafficking, and oh my goodness, I mean, I'm just, um, I'm angry. And I'm like, Lord, I don't know what to do with it. And the Lord is like, you should be angry, Jim. You should be. You should be. There's a place for righteous anger. You know, here's the thing, what, what, it, what if David is talking to the opposition, the unfaithful, same thing. You can be angry about what's going on. Come to me, talk to me, but don't sin. Don't get swept away in the politics. Don't get swept away in the mob mentality. Stop and think about what you are saying and what you're doing. I guess we all have to ask ourselves, what, what keeps us awake at night? And ask ourselves, Is it righteous? He says, meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Is what I'm thinking about, is it righteous? Why is this important? Whether he's talking to believers or unbelievers, if it's not, you will find yourself fighting against God. And here's the thing, you will lose. One time a brother early on in the church Had a, you know, substance abuse problems, and he he met me at the door on the way out, and uh, I said to him, uh, you know, there's only one difference between you and me, really, and he said, what's that? And I said, well, I don't fight against God because I know I can't win. You still have a little bit of hope that you can. And you know what? He went to rehab. Because you can't win. Because if you keep fighting him and fighting him and fighting him, you know what's going to happen eventually? He's going to knock you out. God God doesn't just let let the fight go all the way to the end. If he does, that's not good. Sometimes he'll just knock you out. So what's the next step? Well, let's go back to verse 5. He says, offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. You see, what David just said is easily overlooked, easily overlooked. He said, offer a sacrifice to the Lord. Now, they had the temple, right? Well, they were getting ready to build the temple. They had the tabernacle. They, they did sacrifices to the Lord. And at the same time, he says, put your trust in the Lord. So what, is it, what does it mean? These sacrifices are for sins, And so he says to them, basically, you need to come, offer your sacrifices of righteousness. You need to come and admit to God your sin and your unbelief, and you need to turn from it. You need to repent. And then he says, at the same time, come to the altar of sacrifice to them, the it was the, the tabernacle, then the temple, for us, the cross, and put your trust in the Lord. That is the simple plan of restoration. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, the way to receive the forgiveness of sins and eternal life, okay, is to admit your sin, turn to God, admit your sin, and put your trust in the Lord. You you put your you you turn to his sacrifice of righteousness. If you are a follower of Jesus, this is how you experience the loving grace of God, and this is how you are fruitful in your Christian life. And so there's another sense we get here. When he says, offer the sacrifices of righteousness, so there was prescribed sacrifices, and put your trust in the Lord, we get the sense here in the Old Testament And in the New Testament, it's clear as day that going through the motions of sacrifices and sacraments is completely worthless without trusting the Lord. Very important to understand that. Verse six, he says, There are many who say, now the verb tense is they keep on saying, Who will show us any good? Now, now, this is the pit of discouragement. This is like, nothing's going right. Everything's going wrong, you know, uh, terrible. You know, it's a turn on the news. Oh, that's bad news. Flick the channel. That's really bad news. Or go on the internet. Bad news, bad news. It's just, it's just terrible. There are many who say, who will show us any good? And then he adds this. Lord, lift up the light of your countenance upon us. Lord, there's people running around saying everything is falling apart. We need you to shine your face on us. You see, when the world suddenly changes, when the world is falling apart, in ungodly ways, it's very easy to fall into the pit of discouragement. I'm not saying we are never discouraged, but you can keep going down deeper and deeper and deeper into that pit and and David sees it happening in people and he's counseling them and he and he's and he's praying to the Lord about them see sometimes <laughs> when we pray that things don't get worse they do <laughs> that happens and it happens for both ourselves and for others and we need to be really careful careful about the way we think about things and about the way we will talk to God. Now, I'm going to tell you something that most of you do not know. Some of you know this, but most of you do not know. In the spring, I was quite ill. I was, I was trying to hide it from a lot of people. I didn't have COVID. I, it was my, my neurological condition was just on fire. It was, it, was, it was so bad. I was like, Lord, did, and, did you undo anything? People were like, oh, man, you're really passionate. I was ready to pass out after every sermon. I would just go home and be like, Pam's like, how was church? I was like, nobody was there. <laughs> and, and, and so I was quite sick. And, and so my prayers actually kind of went like this. Um, excuse me, God. Um, bad timing to, for a pastor in a pandemic. I mean, really, I, I, I gotta, I'm I supposed to be there for people, and I don't even feel like I'm here. I don't even know what's going on. I was like, Lord, what, what are you doing? And then when it came time for the pandemic, I was like, Lord, I mean, you, you, you really, you didn't tell us anything about this. I mean, you've been telling us about this. You've been preparing us for this. But this just came out of nowhere. And Lord, I know you know this but so many people that I know were already in the pit of discouragement and were already completely overwhelmed. Like, like, what's going on? Now, you say, why didn't you tell us you weren't feeling well? Because I was trying my best to lean on the Lord, and I didn't want you guys to worry about me. Some of you perceived it, but, but... I just wanted to talk to God about it. I'm feeling considerably better now and just pray for me that it that it that it continues. but <laughs> now I'm so far behind in everything. it's almost it's almost comical. Uh, it's really not because some of you are like I emailed him three months ago. He still hasn't answered me yet and it's not it's it's not that. It's just that I was I was not well. so so what do you do? What do you do when you when you know things around you are just not going well for so many different people, and there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, even if I was at the top of my game, it, there's nothing I could do about it for so many people. Well, you, what do you do? You, you pray similar to the way David did. He really looks like he, he took part of number six, the benediction uh, that they gave the people of God, And he says, Lord, lift up the light of your countenance upon us. He just says, Lord, Lord, we need you to shine your face upon us. That was a prayer over the people of God in the tabernacle. And David takes it and makes it a prayer for the discouraged. You know, I've learned and I am continuing to learn that there's great healing power for your soul in laying yourself aside and praying for the overwhelmed people you know that are in your life. Somehow it, it, it just changes you. And, and, and that confidence that you have that God is going to help them somehow turns into a confidence that you know he's going to help you. Verse 7, he says, you have put, so what is he saying? God, what I'm about to say, you've done this. So this is, this is, this is divine help. You have put gladness in my heart more than in the season that their grain and wine increased. Lord, you've put a gladness in my heart more than any joy of any good crop could ever bring. And that's a lot in a farming community. David says, Lord, you have put a gladness in my heart that not even all this trouble can snuff out. You have put a gladness in my heart that, that is better than all the money I could ever possibly have you see, David believes one of the most fundamental teachings of the Word of God, which is one of the most difficult things to get your arm around and experience. And like we talk about, it's an ab- it's a fruit of abiding. It takes a concentrated effort. It takes daily getting into the Word of God and getting the Word of God into you, being not like, remember we said only 9% of people are doing that right now in the United States. And just, let's, let's make sure we're at least in that 9% and try and spread the word. But the, the fundamental teaching of the word of God that he believes is this. The presence of the Lord in your life is the best that earth has to offer. The presence of the Lord in your life is is the best that earth has to offer. Everything else will come out of that. This is a joy that only those who have done verse 5, only those who have turned to God and put their trust in Him can enjoy and even understand and know the Lord. Famous verse, Matthew 16, 26, for what profit, for what good is it, what's the benefit For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Psalm 8 closes, he says, I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. David can sleep because he knows that the Lord is watching over him in the midst of the chaos you see that's a that's a result of his faith that that's a result of what of what david has come to this place where he's like i know i know the lord is watching over me i know things are not going well in my life but but i'm going to trust in him david shows us how to approach difficult situations with healthy, prayerful concern. We're not saying that we're just not concerned about stuff. He has a healthy, prayerful concern and trust in the Lord. David is showing us here in the Old Testament what Peter told us we need to do in the New Testament when he was an older man, 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he, the Lord, cares for you. Notice David gives all the credit to the Lord. He says in verse 7, you put the gladness in my heart. And he says in verse 8, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. You see, God alone is the source of David's peace, and he knows it. A few months ago, there was a peace that I had, I had a number of people telling me, one's here, and said, you're smiling all the time. I was like, inside I'm going, Lord, I'd be crying otherwise. But but you know that peace is from the Lord. And so David basically says, I hit the pillow, and I'm out like a light. David's troubles are still there. But even if he were to die that night, those who trust in the Lord will wake and they will see his face. So I want to read numbers 6, 24 through 26 the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And all God's people said, amen.
0: Take what you've just heard from Pastor Jim Kevney on Changed by Love and share it with a friend or neighbor. Encouraging words are priceless in today's world. Pastor Jim relies on your prayer and support each day to reach thousands of people just like you. You can also find other ways to team with Changed by Love on our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you can call 862-217-9686. We are called by His name to change the world, and we are stronger together than we could ever be apart. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Thank you for your support and the time you spend with Changed by Love.